podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello all. Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. I'm your host Ajit and today to help me unpack the ongoing India versus West Indies ODI series as well as the just concluded under 19 World Cup and much more cricket. I have a very special guest joining the show for the first time. Hi Nishit, welcome to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello Ajit. Thanks for your warm welcome. And I'm actually really excited to speak through on the topics which you just mentioned. Indeed. So I think it's going to be an interesting chat. So before we get to the cricket, so I must say we are actually recording this episode from Bangalore, which is not our, let's say, a normal location. I know uh, that uh, you are a big fan of cricket. And, you know, we oftentimes, as always, uh, when we meet, we talk about cricket, right? So the first question that I have for you is, um, how did you get interested in cricket? Probably a moot point, but I, st- I would still like to know. Uh, interesting question, actually. It comes, maybe I'll introduce myself and in the story, you will also find the answer for what you asked. Hello, everybody. I'm Nishchit. I actually work for MBRDI. Though my job uh, is to design the car components, I proudly can say, myself as a cricket lover. Cricket has become an uh, integral part of my journey, I must say right from my childhood, where my mother used to allow me to watch cricket only because my mathematics can improve a bit. I'm not sure it has improved or not, but I actually gained a lot of uh, interest in cricket through that. As time progressed, I picked up the passion of playing the most watched or most played sport in India. But I must say, due to COVID in the current situation, from past two years, I have not played any form of cricket, which was uh, always an integral part of my life, I must say. Uh, Here, I am looking forward to have an amazing conversation on the ongoing topics in the cricket life or in the cricket world. Nice, nice, nice. This is the most unique reason I've heard in my life for somebody starting to follow cricket, right? So we've heard, I fell in love with somebody's batting. I fell in love with somebody's bowling. Heck, I fell in love with somebody, right? We've heard this all. But this is the most unique reason where somebody was encouraged to pick up the sport so that their mathematics can improve. Is this because you tried to calculate the net run rates and things that were going on simultaneously? Uh Yeah, the net run rates, also the tables, and also, uh, probably, I used to calculate the economy rates. There was a lot of ma- mathematics which is involved. And when I was doing it, uh, my parents were actually really happy that uh, anyhow, he is uh, seeing a sport which I used to play and also he is learning. So it's a uh, give and take for both of us. Very interesting. Does that mean somebody in yeah. your house already played the game? Uh, not really. My father is also a very passionate uh, cricket lover, but he did not get an opportunity uh, any time to actually play because he joined Air Force in his uh, young time. But he he wanted me to play, but due to some of the situations, anyhow, I could not pursue that as my career. But I am actually a passionate cricket uh, viewer and also I play for the MBRDA team as well here. What is your role, if I may ask? You look like a fast bowler. Uh, yeah, I am an all-rounder. I'm an yeah, I'm a fast bowler and a middle-order batsman. I generally come two down the order. Okay. Two down the order, maybe it is only because Sachin used to actually play in that position for a long time in Test cricket. He is one of the legends of the games. So I picked him as my role model, and I every time in whichever team I play, I actually ask them to send me in two down. Interesting. So that, that also means yeah. you are you must be a decent bat because you know that is also yes, at least definitely in certain amount of uh, format of cricket 
it's always the most important uh, place to come in, right? Unless you're playing in a T20 or something. In any longer format, that's the most yeah, important. De- definitely. Correct. Very nice. Very nice to hear. Yes. I, I do agree with you. Now, let's get on to the sports on hand. So, if you look at the games, I think we can begin with the India-West Indies ODI series. So, well, we have had some interesting chats about it mm-hmm. already offline. But, you know, coming to the games, uh, is it uh, sort of going to a formula as far as you're concerned? Or are there any surprises for you so far from what you see in the two games of the series? Uh, quite interestingly, it's not surprising actually, because uh, if we take uh, the statistics from 2019, uh, both India and West Indies have played around approximately 47 ODIs, uh, where India have won 27 matches and uh, lost around 19 matches. But in the West Indies side, it's actually the opposite, quite opposite. That is, they have won 18 games and they have lost 26 games. It's not very surprising that actually India is dominating the series. It's only the way we actually try uh, to be ready for the Cricket World Cup, which is coming up next. Because in the next year to come, we are not playing a lot of international ODAs. We have a T20 series and we have a test series coming up. But interestingly, we don't have a lot of ODAs where we can make a lot of changes and then see which is the right combination. And for a new captain like Rohit Sharma, this series plays a vital role in picking up the right combination and picking the right 11 for the upcoming World Cup. You know, it, uh, it uh, heats up a little bit of uh, the contest that goes on for the positions that India would want to fill leading up to, you know. There's a T20 World Cup this year and of course... There is a long format World Cup, the 50-hour World Cup in the next year. But apart from all this, of course, there is the the big giant that is looming, right? The IPL auction. So is this like a like a dress rehearsal or maybe even an audition for certain players that are in the series, according to you? Exactly. Uh, before the IPL auctions, if anybody is performing in this ODA series, then they will definitely be watching the uh, auction time with... Uh, lot of interest because they might go they they would be feeling the base price is two crores but they might go for 12 or they might go even for 14 crores which uh, they wouldn't have even dreamt of if they are not giving a, a perfect performance over here indeed so you know the first game of the series saw the spinners the indian spinners come to the fore right so after a long time washington sundar was playing in the 11 he took three and uh, Yuzvendra Chahal, who sort of in the last, let's say, year, year and a half, found himself more on the sidelines than in the 11, in the shorter format games for India. He's, um, yeah, he took four. So, though in the end, he took a bit of tap, I guess that's leg spinner's, uh, yeah, curse or boon, no matter how you look at it. But, you know, they were able to restrict West Indies to uh, 176. And that was mostly thanks to the lower orders efforts you know, led by Jason Holder. I must say another of those uh, people who are auditioning. Right. So then some of these people like Fabian Allen made a useful 29. And then, you know, before we go there, do you think this is a very sticky pitch? Because both the totals and the ODIs were sort of middling totals. It is not like the traditional um, ODI total that you would be looking at in an Indian condition, like 300, 320 is what we are used to. But here on this pitch, it's, it's more like 220, 240 seems to be a really, really good total. Do you think the pitches are a bit undercooked or is it just good bowling? Interestingly, pitches are not undercooked. The thing is, Indian bowlers are bowling probably in the right areas. And I must say the West Indies cricket team, at least the top order in the middle order, are actually underperforming in probably uh, from the from couple of years. The selectors and even the coaches are making the same statement that people need to step up and then perform, which is actually not happening in the recent times. So even that might have uh, played a bit in uh, West Indies scoring uh, uh, below 200. And more importantly, in the recent past, they even have not uh, played complete 50 overs. Every time actually they have uh, uh, probably played 45, 46 overs to the max and all the by losing all the 10 wickets. So it's also good bowling and also some irresponsible batting from the West Indies batter. This uh, the topic of uh, West Indian batters not really converting the talent that they have is a very big one because if you look at the stop order, right? 
you have shy hope uh-huh. brandon king opening shy hope i i think everybody knows how talented this guy is right but he somehow not able to find the right gears or maybe it's a temperament issue that he somehow cannot stay there long enough to make you know even a useful 30 40 50 because we expect a lot out of this guy at least um he made this 300 sometime in uk back then in that test and won the game for west indies since then you know talent is never in doubt right for this guy similarly you have darren bravo another i dare say he must have i would have expected he would average something like 15 tests with the game the style you know the style is very obvious right he the style is very similar to his cousin a certain uh, correct brian lara right so therefore when you look at it lot of underperforming people people like shamar brooks who are new to the side even nicholas puran to a large extent did not perform well but shamar brooks uh, i think he's looking to make uh, uh, you know a good place for himself right so there are a couple of these batters which i expect will come good but not even a 50 in the top 6 is quite bad the skipper kiran pollard the most experienced of the lot he was out for a duck he was bowled by chahal of his very first ball right so that was indeed the bowlers uh, had nothing to defend right and again the bowlers also had to do a bulk of the scoring so jason holder who is a full all rounder and then fabian allen right they took up a bit of the scoring mm-hmm. and then i think when you come to the indian bowling the the rip and the drift that yusendra chahal showed us gave a lot of heart we know how good washington sundar is right so he's always a good restrictive bowler what i saw were that a couple of balls were very nicely flighted also right he enticed the drive enticed the you know that loop which made the batsman hit to short mid wicket this sort of stuff right that was very nice to see Correct. and what do you think of the fast bowling uh, lineup that india have here surprisingly uh, for me what i felt in the first odi the spinners uh, made us win probably and in the second odi especially prasad krishna bowled uh, an exceptional spell and uh, he ended up with the figures of 4 for 12 in nine, in 9 overs and he bowled around three maidens which is actually a superb bowling effort from a guy who actually hits the deck hard and the length also he bowled is impeccable i must say with the current lot uh, uh, though we are not playing with bumrah and shami we have a lot of talent and also you can see deepak chahar who is actually sitting uh, in the in the dugout by not getting a chance to play in the playing 11 so we need, we can say that we have a good or um, i uh, in the earlier times i used to say it as a decent uh, bowling unit we used to have but uh, in the current age we i can uh, definitely say that bowling is uh, winning more matches than our bat our batsmen bowling is the more predominant um, role which is actually in important that they are showing in these days absolutely right for those of us who are 90s and early 2000s kids you know we always uh, used to envy the bowling some of our neighbors had for example right and Correct. england west indies uh, and uh, more importantly whenever i uh, hear venkatesh prasad he used mm. to complain every time that he was the second fast bowler in the team because jawgal srinath was the number one pick and second fast bowler every time they used to fill it up with ajay jadeja or else with saurav ganguly but now it's not the case people are going with uh, three seam bowlers and two spinners uh, which i feel is a good sign for uh, youngsters to take bowling also as an option otherwise uh, everybody used to look uh, look batting as their career but nowadays nowadays in the, the youngsters are looking bowling also as an career that's a good uh, thing which this bunch of players have made a little bit of credit goes to the virat kohli the he's made fast bowling the fulcrum of this lineup right so he's built a stable of fast bowlers for the lack of a better term and the process Correct. that drives this team is so strong that anybody who's even coming to the 11 has the same attitude the same mindset right as well as almost the same set of uh, you know principles and even the fitness right what they are going to do when they are out there on the field it it brings me to that question i had in mind should virat kohli have played this series he doesn't look like he he doesn't have the right mindset suddenly he sort of seems a little lost did you also find this when you watch these games exactly uh, even in south africa and even here uh, the bowlers probably have made up a mind that if we bowl the length balls to virat he'll definitely drive uh, drive those balls easily and that's the reason they are simply bowling him 
the short balls and making him uh, pull because he is not a cricketer who actually ducks he is a player who wants to face the ball and he wants to pull the same in the actually course of doing it he is uh, uh, probably hitting uh, he is not able to hit to the right areas where he wants and it's directly going to fielder's hand or to the keeper's hand every time so uh, the one important thing is he has to be more prepared for the short balls because uh, every other bowler who actually comes up and bowls against him wants to take virat's wicket so they will be well prepared against him he has to be aware and actually perform probably to his reputation he he's probably distracted with all the ongoings off the field right at least he's no longer the skipper of rcb so probably he's not uh, you know too much involved in discussing with them in terms of team selection and other things however is he still a senior pro in the team rcb so maybe a little bit of discussions that might be going on on the side but i dare say mm-hmm. all the other things that are going on between the boardroom and the you know the uh, training rooms of the team maybe some things there might be distracting him i know it's it's a bit easy for me to say you know uh, he has more or less a set place in the team and he might as well have taken the series off spent some time with his family and sort of rested well before the ipl uh, he he'll, he's going to play the tests and he's very important that for himself he plays the test and rediscovers that form right that's important for us the team the indian team but when you look at um, when you look at he he looks a bit out of sorts also on the field probably he's letting um, rohit set up the team in his own ideas and in his own image rather than you know it just run on what virat kohli the captain set up the team as so this is one of the things so it seemed a bit he seemed a bit lost in the field not really out there you know the kohli we know the passion the you know the intensity it was sort of all missing but we really hope this is just a you know a small aberration rather than uh, the norm because if this goes on with the high standards he set for himself i'm worried he might just hang up his boots right if he doesn't get the kind of results he's used to he might just say there's no point in playing anymore and he might walk away which would be a real tragedy as far as him the player is concerned but also for indian cricket i think virat kohli the batsman can serve indian cricket for at least two more years the way i look at it but if this is the way things keep going i'm a bit worried he might just say you know look for him money is never a driving factor and it's the captaincy is come and gone so even that is not something he can look forward to but i am i'm just hoping that you know this is like a trough that's very small but he rediscovers the passion that there's a different kohli on the field when i saw him in the last two games so that's why i thought this is something we could discuss correct to add to your point what i can say is uh, virat's captaincy is actually very aggressive whereas rohit's captaincy is actually little bit calmness he brings into the field like how ms dhoni used to actually captain the team there uh, th- that is the reason i i feel that virat kohli is taking some time to actually adjust again because he is uh, very much adjusted to the aggressiveness mindset in which he used to play but rohit is not that kind of aggressive he is aggressive but uh, he he actually feels that calmness is more important to the players actually to perform much better and as you rightly mentioned virat kohli has actually set the standard so high that actually in the odi cricket from 2019 maybe his average is actually more than uh, any of the top batters in the world his standards is really high which he has said that is the reason people are feeling that he is actually underperforming yeah i agree that he is not uh, converting any of his 50s to 100s but his average is actually still uh, in the body mid 40s actually it's almost close to the 50s so his form has not been a concern in any of the time but it's only the mindset which he carries he is in probably some change phase which is going from captain to the lead player in the team interesting as i said we really hope he discovers that fire again right so india Correct. needs it exactly and he himself definitely needs it now going on if you were to discuss the role of deepak huda do you think his time had come to, to make a debut for india and you know um he did a admirable job in both the games right in the first odi he finished it off and in the second one well he did his part in setting up the total and i dare say if he had played another two overs or so uh, india might have even crossed 250 right he can hit those big shots and 
he was always playing let's say above or on a ball so that sort of the finisher's role is one of the tougher roles in limited overs cricket but with his emergence how do you see uh, let's say hardik pandya being impacted shreyas iyer do you see maybe their places are now a little bit in jeopardy hardik pandya's place of course it is in jeopardy because uh, he is not even confident currently that he will be bowling in the ipls also uh, deepak hooda got the opportunity kind of very rare opportunity because currently uh, ravindra jadeja is not playing and we don't have uh, a bowler who can bat or a batsman who can bowl in the top uh, in the top order in which india are playing in case of shreyas iyer he should not be actually worried because i feel that shreyas iyer is uh, competing with suryakumar yadav more than this all rounder spot because shreyas iyer doesn't uh, really bowl he only bowls whenever it is uh, like uh, required to the maximum when there is no other bowler he can just roll his arms for a couple of overs but he we cannot consider him as an all rounder as you rightly mentioned uh, deepak hooda is actually a very capable all rounder uh, from the past 3 to 4 years he is performing well also in the ipls but he has he had not got any opportunity in the international circuit but he has probably i feel grabbed his opportunity in both the hands by performing in both the matches in the form of batting also bowling and also in catching so it's a good thing for indian cricket that we are finding uh, many talented players and we have a lot of players in the pool who are waiting to take any positions in the team which uh, they have been given or they have been assigned there was already washington sundar who's playing again after a while but he this guy is a bit more classy you know he he is not a hitter he is somebody who can build an innings and then accelerate towards the end right would probably finish with a strike rate of close to 100 or 110 but he's far more classier that way as a batsman as well because he's done it in tests for india so that was a very interesting thing what he said that probably shreyasair is indeed competing with suryakumar yadav so there comes the next point so suryakumar yadav did a really good job in the second odi uh, the way he played and set up the game you know in the middle overs when suryakumar yadav and uh, kl rahul were playing the differences between their batting sort of came out and which one of them looked more comfortable they both spent enough time in the crease and the way each of them approached what was on hand look at the 43 for 3 india were in a bit of bother if india had lost another wicket you know kl rahul was dropped if that had happened there was a good chance india would end up scoring just 150 maybe right so that that was the most crucial period in the second odi and then these two in their contrasting styles showed that how important they are kl rahul looked really at sea at the beginning right i think if i'm not wrong he was 7 of 23 balls or something like this exactly and then to finish yes. 49 of 48 correct that's a very very com- competitive innings and i dare say if he had not run himself out the way he did he could have even taken it further maybe even gotten close to 100 because he, had, he was beginning to accelerate the kl rahul who plays for you know punjab uh, at the top of the order and maybe another team lucknow this year was seen immediately right so the moment spinners came on he looked all at sea against fast bowling both odin smith and jason holder were troubling him no ends on the other hand suryakumar yadav looked so much comfortable there again does kl rahul have anything to fear from somebody like suryakumar yadav because i see shreyas iyer right he is good in indian conditions but abroad i have seen that he has struggled a little in the recently concluded south africa odi series the shreyas iyer played we saw that on a slightly faster pitch he had a little bit of difficulty adapting i must say it was his, he's not he's not very experienced right it was one of his first uh, overseas mm-hmm. tours so there's a little bit of learning that has to happen but how do you see this dynamic going forward between these three will these three be the middle order going forward kl rahul suryakumar yadav and shreyas iyer yeah definitely these three guys are the one uh, indian management is also looking for the middle order and i feel kl rahul's place in the middle order is actually fixed why because uh, if it is not fixed uh, in yesterday's match he could have easily opened but the team management or even the captain tried uh, rishabh pant because they know kl Ra- kl rahul's role in this current indian team is in the middle order because at the top they have uh, way too many players in the form of rohit sharma shikhar dhawan or even ishan kishan uh, to name a few but in the middle order if you see except suryakumar yadav shreyas iyer and now even kl rahul there are actually less number of players who can actually fill in the spot because uh, you mean to say rishabh pant it's like 
a lottery sometimes he can uh, uh, hit 100 and sometimes he just gets out for a duck so the indian management is currently actually looking kl rahul as a permanent number 2 or number 3 for sure i guess the competition here lies between suryakumar yadav and uh, shreyas ayer and as you men- uh, rightly mentioned yesterday suryakumar yadav was playing absolutely superbly and he was uh, timing the ball very well and he was leaving the ball very well it is very unfortunate that to his go to shot that is sweep that he got out uh, yesterday otherwise uh, i was feeling that he'll go for a century which would have been a much uh, brilliant innings than it was i was a bit uh, hesitant while watching the game i thought if they get to 220 they have a chance but it's still an even sort of a game right they got to 237 which is as almost 20 runs more than that but i was still not very confident but one of my other friends with whom i was watching the game said west indies will not make more than 170 right they are not actually good enough to take on the spinners and this is the second rung of spinners even right this is not the top rung of spinners speaking of spinners the one person i really think was hardened by is kuldeep yadav do you see him making a comeback in the indian colors in the limited overs formats any time in the recent future ah very very tough question actually if you would have asked this question before the 2019 world cup everyone was saying it's a kulcha uh, a combination which is actually working well for uh, india but suddenly what happened i am not sure kuldeep yadav lost his track but now he is trying to make it into the playing 11 or into the playing or into the 15 member squad it is actually really tough job for him to actually make it i know that the wrist spinners are really important but in what areas are they bowling that is actually crucial earlier for kuldeep yadav behind the stumps ms dhoni was helping a lot which i feel he is missing in the recent times which has affected uh, kuldeep's performance it has also affected chahal's performance but chahal is making a comeback but i wish that kuldeep also makes a comeback because the wrong ones or the googlies which he bowls i'm a big fan of his bowling but currently i guess in the indian team setup it is little tough for him to actually make it into the playing 11 because you have one wrist spinner in form of uh yuzvendra chahal and a backup as ravi bishnoi and in the coming days when ravindra jadeja is actually fit he will come back easily and he will be the first choice in the playing 11 his his absence has actually told us all how important he is if there ever was a doubt by the way there was never Correct. much of a doubt of how important jadeja is in all formats as far as india are concerned the balance he brings i think as you say that also shows how far the stocks of somebody like krunal pandey have fallen he's played t20s for india you would have thought if he were to be still in you know in in and among those uh, bowlers that the indian selectors are watching he would be one of those people who might have been fit in like him or aksar patel who both can let's say bat a bit less than jadeja but are equally good bowlers on their day jadeja is a rare talent and I, let's say i'm a bit uh, yeah i'm not correct in comparing jadeja to krunal pandya when it comes to bowling either but let's see let's see how things shape up to to add to your one to add to your point uh-huh. i actually was uh, very surprised when washington sundar was picked ahead of krunal pandya for the odis because i felt uh, the more replacement for uh, ravindra jadeja could have been uh, kunal pandya because if you take washington sundar is uh, very unlikely to bowl all the 10 overs in the matches but kunal pandya does that and even he has a talent to finish his 10 overs very soon as uh, same as how ravindra jadeja does and also kunal pandya's batting is much improved in, in the recent times and he is a better batsman than uh, washington sundar yeah washington sundar has uh, performed well in uh, australian test and also the, in the test matches which happened in india but in t20s or in odis his batting is not up to the level well look i think i disagree with you there you know there is a old cricket adage right form is temporary uh-huh. class is permanent when you look at how washington sundar bats this guy has it in him to bat in the top 3 or 4 in all formats for india i'm just talking in terms of the talent and the class he displays i think he was given an outing for him to sort of find his feet again right because until he was mm-hmm. injured you would also think he would be on the plane to south africa he got himself injured right 
So he had a really good role in the Australian tests. After that, he sort of went missing in action, right? He played a bit of IPL, but not a lot after that. So I think for me, the Indian selectors see this guy as a long-term prospect, like a 10-year prospect in all three formats as far as India are concerned. Maybe even in the top two formats, that is tests and ODAs, because the way he plays, he's much more suited to the longer formats where there are more balls available. He can, of course, hit. There are no doubts about it. So... If it were to be a T20 series, I would have said Krunal Pandya might have been the correct pick ahead of him. But since it's an ODI series, this guy can take more balls out. He bats higher up in the order. For me, this guy is the right pick in the ODIs. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Let's see how this develops because um, some very interesting equations you can think of considering that seven or eight you know, frontline players, at least from the Indian squad, are missing or have been rested. That way, if you look at it, it's Correct. a very interesting uh, series. But unfortunately, if you are a fan of West Indies, you would be a bit disappointed in the way they have turned out. But I mean, they are also a squad in transition, but they have been a squad in transition for a while now. So it's about time they find their feet. And I dare say I must blame their batsmen, like we discussed earlier in the piece. Now, did you watch the New Zealand versus uh, India T20I, the women's T20I? Yes, it was actually an interesting contest. But uh, I must agree that uh, New Zealand women played actually much better than the Indian women, especially the openers, Sophie Devine and Susie uh, Bates with an opening partnership of uh, 60 in around eight overs. And uh, along with uh, Leah Tuhuhu, uh, who actually batted superbly f- uh, for 27 in 14 balls, which uh, helped them to actually post a grand total of 156. Look, for me, that innings of Tuhuhu was the real difference, right? So, they would have ended up at a total which was very similar to what India finished with. For that innings Correct. that Leah Tuhuhu hit, that crucial 20 runs, let's say, that was the winning margin. That's one thing. The other thing, look, when you look at the New Zealand lineup, right? Susie Bates, Sophie Devine, Sophie Devine even other these, Amelia Kerr to a large extent, right? They are all very much established cricketers when it comes to women's cricket world and they are much sought after if you look at WBBL and other leagues, right? So these both are really good. And strangely, I, I thought the Indian bowling was a little bit hesitant. They appeared a bit uh, passive, right? So Puja Astrakar yeah. did a really good job when she started off. But I, I was a bit disappointed in the fields that were given for Rajeshwari Gaikwad. Even uh, when you look at Deepthi Sharma, She's a very experienced skater. Poonam Yadav Gaikwad, you know, maybe the captain helps set the field. But Deepthi Sharma also sometimes the field were a bit, uh, you know, defensive. And Simran Bahadur, who's new to the setup, will need to, you know, probably learn a few things because they say every level you go to, there's a lot of learning to do, right? So, especially for Indian women's cricket, when they have not had a whole lot of domestic cricket to play, I think a lot of learning happens at the highest level straight away. So, that's something I thought you know, I can give a little bit of an excuse there. But that way, I think they were okay to restrict New Zealand to 155. In women's game, you know, the average total is about 130 or 140. So this was well above par, right? But then something that didn't happen is I expected Shafali Varma to give India a flying start because in this case, there is no Jamaima Rodriguez and also um, Smriti Mandana could not play this game, right? So it was a problem that India needed a fast start. If you wanted to chase a slightly above par total, that's what you expect. Harman Pritkar promoted himself, herself, but it didn't work. That can happen. But what I really find the issue is um, the middle and the lower middle could not really pick up the run rate when it really mattered. Because around the halfway mark, it was still okay. India were still in the game. Even up to, let's say, the 13th, 14th over, I thought India are still in the game here. All it requires is a decent finish. But to see between Snehrana, Deepthi Sharma, Simran Bahadur, I thought Deepthi Sharma batted really low. What are your thoughts? Exactly. Uh, one interesting uh, point we have to observe uh, for Shifali Verma is that uh, as there was no Mandana uh, due to quarantine uh, rules in New Zealand, Shifali Verma maybe took some of the pressure of that and she played very conservatively. That's the, that is the reason she scored only 13 runs of 14 balls. And in the other end also, Yestika Bhatia also played in the same way. Uh, run a ball, uh, she was actually uh, scoring. That actually led to too much pressure for the middle order uh, batters to come. And they were not able to actually really push it from that uh, position. I must say Meghana batted really well because uh, she scored around 
37 i guess in 30 balls and there were few eye pleasing lofted cover drives also which she played if she wouldn't have actually really started playing those shots then we would have definitely seen a bigger collapse than uh, we see today now look they accounted well for themselves but it was not enough you knew even with four overs left that which way the result was going right so that left Correct. me a bit disappointed the only thing i can say is look this chasing this way of chasing is the template chennai has followed for a very long time the chennai super kings team i mean right yes you start off solidly you keep wickets in hand you get to about let's say 60 or 65 by the ninth over already ninth even tenth right and from then on you have a fixed target and you have a lot of wickets in hand and there in comes the bite you have hitters who can actually get you across the line exactly somebody like deepthi sharma should have played i would say conservatively at 5 but more effectively at 6 she batted way too low and to send in sneharana also i thought could have been you know playing a bit bit more aggressively but i guess she was just taking a time to get her eye in but there wasn't enough time there so all in all this was a one off odi a one off t20 i so but it highlights the one thing that pains me about indian women's cricket this is a very familiar rant for all of our uh, regular listeners but what has happened is based on certain inaction and certain i dare say neglect from bcci indian women's cricket has now fallen into let's say the third tier of international women's team so for me australia and england are right at the top closely followed by south africa and new zealand then come india then come a few other teams so indian cricket was if not in the top always in the second league of or the second set of best international women's teams this is purely because bcci has not taken time to organize enough bilateral tours when the men can tour so can the women right i know there's covid ongoing we know how much cricket indian men have played and i don't even want to get started on the lack of a women's ipl this is again a well known rant so do you think this administration might finally get into their heads that it is really worth promoting indian women's cricket and getting them enough opportunities and chances so that they can improve themselves and then they themselves start earning because for now for the lack of a better word this is a csr for uh, the people who run indian cricket will it ever become anything more than that do you think hopefully uh, saurav ganguly listens to actually what you, you are saying correctly because this is exactly even uh, my feeling is they have to invest currently in the women's leagues so that they get to earn something in the future because they are not getting lot of opportunities uh, to play in india and also to play in uh, bilateral series as you rightly mentioned but there is one good opportunity at least which has opened for them is the wbbl where a few of our indian players are actually playing really well but that has to rub off uh, to the uh, administrators over here and they have to actually start the women's ipl so that there are lot more uh, women cricketers who actually can see how indian players are playing currently and how they can improve the indian women's cricket in the future this actually really important from the administrator point of view that they have to invest right now and expect returns in the future there were players like veda krishnamurthy who had a very tough uh, personal side of it during covid and i dare say we may have exactly. lost her as a cricketer right so she is now behind the mic she is talking uh, in the commentary and well she can earn better and she is uh, you know sort of comfortable there but veda krishnamurthy the batsman is now missing right can you imagine her at number 4 right. or number 5 in this 11 and what a difference that could have made with her stroke play it it could have been actually made a big difference in the match uh, in the t20 match which we actually lost because mm. she she was the one batter who i knew that Uh, would be hitting sixes to the long distance except after harmanpreet kaur because i have uh, l- listened to one of the interviews which kl rahul had actually given he was saying both were practicing at bangalore uh, stadium and uh, kl rahul was able to hear good knocking sounds then he went near the nets and saw who is this then he actually introduced himself to veda krishnamurthy and then he directly said to her it seems saying you will definitely be a good prospect for indian women cricket which i am feeling actually is actually being uh, taken away due to the current situation or due to her form hope she finds her form way uh, soon and then plays for india uh, and then uh, maybe finish matches like this and 
India wins matches like this in the future. Very nice anecdote. Now to the silver lining, right? The Indian uh, under-19 team that won the World Cup. Did you follow the finals or maybe even more matches leading up to the finals? I actually watched uh, the finals in the TV and I was actually really happy seeing our uh, boys win the fifth trophy. There were a lot of prospects and the future is also bright for Indian cricket team as we actually see uh, in the bunch of current under-19 players. Look, it was a very interesting uh, tournament because both these teams, England and India, which competed in the final were unbeaten up until that point, if I'm not wrong. They had a lot of, let's say, expectations riding on them. Very young shoulders. But I think come the big game, uh, uh, you know, out comes the big player, as they say. And Raj Bhava came out for India. He made a very crucial 35 in the chase. But before that, he'd already taken a 5-4. The Indian fast bowling lineup, Ravi Kumar, Hangar Gekar and Raj Bhava. What are your thoughts on this? They actually complement each other superbly. In all the matches which actually I saw, Ravi Kumar was bowling absolutely uh, on target. Indeed. So, I also think Hangar Gekar is sort of a rhythm bowler. You know, one of those bowlers who once he gets into the rhythm, he becomes unstoppable. I mean, this is a very, Correct. you know, very, say a very optimistic comparison, but it's like Rabada. The moment he gets into that rhythm, God help you, right? But I, I must say, Correct. Rabada is probably a few kilometers per hour, if not more faster. But this is a young man. He'll grow into his body and he'll get gain more strength, right? And then, yes. look, the spinners, I was very happy. Nishan Sindhu and Vicky Ostwal, for me, caught the eye. Because they are like old school spinners, both of them. They are able to flight the ball, get the batsman coming forward, beat them with the flight, right? So, it was very beautiful to see that, and even in the final... Nishan Sindhu's first three overs were a real study in how intelligent a cricketer he is, the way he bowled. So, the first two overs, he tried to go as close to the batsman as possible, saw what the batsmen are doing. The moment he sort of was able to settle his length, he became very tough to play. First of all, they had a big hitter, George Thomas at the top, who sort of gave up his wicket in a rather an injudicious shot, I must say. And then James Rue sort of stood at one end. But nobody was able to get going in the middle order, Luxton or Bell, right? And then just with contributions from the lower order and James Sales finished well, right? So, he took a lot of time out of the game, James Sales. But what it meant was England would at least go very close to the 50-hour mark. Because at one point in time, they looked like they might even be bowled out at the 30th or 32nd over, right? So, the same friend of mine with whom I was watching the second ODI, I was also watching the finals. And he predicted... Mm-hmm. England would become all out around 125. So, because the way right. the innings was going, but I give a lot of credit there to James Rue, right? And uh, Sales, who took the fight deep and they almost finished 45 hours of their innings. But the total was not going to be really competitive because it was well below par. Probably 230 is more of a competitive total. But they still had a target on the board, right? And then Sheikh Rashid built it up for India along with Harnoor Singh. But they were no, they were in no hurry. Yashdul, the captain, again made a small contribution. But again, there comes Nishan Sindhu and Raj Bhava. By the time they got together, there was already a little bit of a run rate pressure also building up. And they quietly and comfortably kept taking four runs now, just knocking it here and there. That maturity was wonderful for me to see. More importantly, what we have to notice in the current generation of players is people are ready to take the responsibility, no matter in what situation you actually bring them. As you named currently, Yesdul scored as a brilliant century in the semi-finals. Sheikh Rashid, he scored or he batted superbly even in semi-finals and also a very well-made uh, half-century in, uh, in the finals also. And as you rightly mentioned, uh, Raj Bhava actually scored a crucial 35 runs. And for a fast bowler who is actually capable of taking fifers and with his batting, we see a good prospect in the player who can actually make it to the big stage and perform for India in the senior team as well. Absolutely. Look, from what we saw, the future of Indian men's cricket appears to be bright enough. And what I saw was they were already very much process-driven. The coach, um, Kanitkar, was sort of very experienced at all levels. But also they had VVS Lakshman, who's definitely been through it all. He's been mentors for IPL teams. He's been a and a 100-test veteran for India, right? So, I think the process that the teams are following from 
you know the process that this team team to seem to follow was not very different from even the top level teams of india right both men and women that was very very heartening for me to see and i really hope you know as you say we have discovered some gems that need a little bit more polishing but they can go on and have very fruitful careers for india in the long term correct i hope uh, i hope this performances will rub off to the senior uh, cricket team also and uh, i hope they also win the world cups like this and one interesting fact actually which i i noticed from the social media is uh, raj bawa is actually a cousin for ritender singh sodhi and noticeably both won the man of the match award in the finals oh wow so that is one uh, post yeah that is one post which ritender singh sodhi posted congratulating his cousin and he said uh, two man of the match trophies in one family that was one interesting story which actually i looked up from looked in the social media you know there have been this familial ties in uh, among players in indian cricket right so this is another story that's building correct and let's hope uh, raj bawa has a more successful international career if and when he gets an opportunity then rithinder singh sodhi correct now uh, if we look at some of the interesting uh, events from off the cricketing field so the first one of this is i must say a little bit of a surprise that justin langer decided to not take up uh, a small extension he was offered a six month extension as the coach of australian men's team and he decided to not take this up does this surprise you at all yeah actually even i was feeling justin langer had done a superb job as a coach for australia but interestingly none of the captains that is aaron finch or pat cummins came out in public uh, in his defense maybe that made him think that he is not good enough for them currently and that is the reason i guess he might have not considered for the extension of 6 months mm. look it it was almost clear that when none of your captains come out and publicly endorse you as the next coach if you look at what happened with between kohli and shastri you know how captains like to you know have coaches that they like and uh, can fall back on there is always a time period right being an international cricket coach is not an easy job but i think the what i understand is australians like to play their cricket in a certain way they like to play it very hard on the field but really relax off the field if you remember mickey arthur was also let go after the airport's homework gate because you know he was very intense off the field as well he expected people to think contribute make ppts whatever that might be so it also comes across that even from his resignation letter he's actually highlighted it himself that his methodologies were very much appreciated but it was a bit much too intense for the players when they they had some off time right maybe that's the reason where he felt a slightly more relaxed sort of a mentor but still somebody who is very strict when it comes to things that need to be achieved on field would probably take this australian team forward you know that brings us to the next question do you have somebody that you think in your mind can next take over australia's coaching job i guess ricky ponting might take because he is interested in uh, coaching job but he is not ready to come to overseas due to the family reasons i guess it's good for you in australian cricket if they appoint ricky ponting as their next coach hmm maybe someone else like steve war somebody i know they, these people are never in the running but there's also tom modi right who's coached quite extensively all over the world and he's very very well respected when it comes to you know his credentials maybe he stands a chance yeah absolutely as a player i guess tom modi was one amongst the best all rounder Uh, ever australia have produced and also as you rightly mentioned he has done tremendously good across the globe as a coach but if i look into tom modi versus ricky ponting i always feel ricky ponting can be a better coach than tom modi for the current set of players which australia has i think you might be you know tipping it the right way here i pretty much see ricky ponting could be the sort of person who might take this team to the next level right they are sort of peaking at the right time but they need somebody who's a champion in his mindset as well as in his thought process and who can actually take Correct. them to the very next level so we might very well see that he might be the uh, next coach but jumping across to their ashes adversaries england did you see the cull that has happened the clean up that uh, england cricket board has implemented after the ashes loss oh absolutely everybody who were there in the top position uh, probably everybody left or everybody was taken out that includes even players who are performing well that is anderson and also stuart broad 
even they are not part of the west indies tour so it's actually quite interesting to see how uh, england cricket is actually going ahead or what is their plan it's probably in the coming days it is a very good uh, topic for discussion look i'll go through it step by step right so as you rightly said first of all the way ashley giles responded after that third defeat uh, third consecutive defeat right that was a bit weird for me he was almost saying you can fire me but i don't think you are going to change much of the results that was a bit weird to see somebody who's the head of cricket talking right talking that way then comes the coach who said something again pretty inane something like there are positives after that terrible double digit score that england made uh, you know there is a bit of um, politically correct speak but there is also sometimes you just have to call a spade a you know a spade not a an implement with which you dig your garden blah blah you just say yes we played badly because it looks like the entire uh, sporting public of england were really really hurting at least the cricketing uh, fans right and they needed to hear that the management and people who are in power actually own up to it it's very easy to you know blame joe root he he can be a sort of a f- much more friendly guy he's not ruthless enough blah blah we hear all of this but at the end of the day the team has to deliver jorud the batsman cannot score all the runs right this is very much seen and therefore the changes that they made when it comes to the lineup of batsmen and bowlers that was a bit more surprising there was no surprise that silverwood would be let go ashley giles after that the some of the things he's he's sort of a reactionary sort of a person the person you need as the head of cricket needs to be a bit more visionary needs to think a bit more ahead of you know ahead in the space i think andestros has been brought in in that uh, in his stead back i think that's a good option and correct uh, collingwood has been given the interim job for west indies i think it's it's all right but they are probably on the lookout for somebody more long term maybe even somebody like uh, jason gillespie who's mm-hmm. coached quite a lot in um, county circuit or they may go back to one of those well tried and uh, well trusted county coaches so it remains to be seen how it goes but when it comes to the players now i wanted to discuss do you think um, sort of england are letting anderson and broad rest so that they want to have a really good uh, english summer rather than both of them being air coach dropped i just thought they were rested even i feel they are rested because uh, i don't uh, feel that they have actually bowled bad in the ashes uh though in they got chance in bits and pieces because they did not get chance to play in all the matches uh as as the rotation policy of england uh, i feel that it's weird at times on not playing your uh, two best bowlers in the important matches but as uh, we notice they both are not getting any younger day by day they are coming to, anderson is actually getting closer to 40s and Stoge Broad is already around in 36, 37 years. England are looking actually ahead and then see to secure their team for the next 10 years, which I feel they are doing it against the right team currently because they can they can probably work on their combinations with with lot of freedom against a team like West Indies, who are actually who are also struggling to actually get into the winning mode in the international circuit. so it's actually a right approach currently to leave both of the legendary bowlers and then give chance to your other players now when we look at the batters right there's not a lot of doubt josh butler i think has come to the end of his test career unless something really weird happens rory burns i think got yeah. enough chances but couldn't do enough hasib hamid looked out of his depth david malan i think is the one person i felt was a little hard done by i think he must he must feel a little uh, you know angry because i think if he were to be given one more tour he would have established himself this is the thing i am thinking it was it's always tough playing against australia at home but he made one or two really relevant scores and then i'm not saying that's enough but that's a starting point right so like for example zack rolly did the same he's retained on the other hand sam billings who got to play one test has been let go dombes has been dropped without playing a single test these people might feel a little hard done by yeah even i feel the same uh, david mullen should have been retained and also sam billings also because he is a prospect uh, for the england uh, cricket team as a wicketkeeper batsman dombes i am not 100% sure because he bowls and he also bats but he is not uh, 100% fit for an all-rounder because they have ben stokes to be named as all-rounder and as a spinner they have jack leach 
that might be the reason they would have let go dombes but definitely sam billings and david melan should get one more chance so that brings me to the last question is the is the question of captaincy so look jorot is no doubt a great person by the looks of it right and he's a very buddy buddy guy but do you think he has it in him to you know take england to the next level because this was a really bad hiding there is no way of putting it in any other way right so you did you never even made a 300 you even did not make 200 enough times in the five match series and you were like one ball away from a final defeat which ended in 4-0 so when you look at all that he himself had openly said this is this might be the defining series for my career and so on as a captain right is this the time that you blood somebody new and if you would blood somebody new who would you give it to even i feel it is the right time actually for joe root to give up captaincy and concentrate more on his batting because uh, there is actually already a genuine uh, captain who is available readily available for them in the form of ben stokes who actually can bat can bowl and also can field superbly so he and being joe root being in the team can actually train ben stokes for the captaincy position and he can actually be a good middle order batsman himself look for me uh, we also covered this a little bit in the last uh, episode but for me you need a bit more of you know a ruthlessness to be a captain michael one had it at times right every england captain we have seen for a straws so showed it in buckets nasir hussain had it right i'm just going back not too too far and when you look at it correct alistair cook was also a bit more friendly sort of a guy maybe right so but when you look at it i think they missed a trick by not appointing broad the captain here he is always going to be a transitional captain because he himself will not play all the games they are trying to manage his career let it go as far as for possible so in that case it's never a good thing so right. maybe co captains and you would never want to burden your best player in the 11 as the captain ben stokes is probably their best player in right in terms of what he can do to change games right. so when you look at that i would say probably a co captaincy between broad and ben stokes would be the way, way forward in the previous episode we have discussed bringing ayan morgan back as one of the cha- options simply to captain the squad and instill that steel the other one the other person i had in mind was actually david malan but he himself has been let go so that that's again out of the picture so let's see how it really develops but i wouldn't really take west indies very lightly when they are playing at home right the england side has come off a real real hiding in australia it was an away tour they would want to salvage some pride and really show that there are no pushovers when they are traveling right so this tour is going to be really crucial so for me maybe that's why england uh, selection committee which is now stross collingwood and james taylor has been brought back so that's nice to see that probably they are now wanting to keep the boat a little bit steady even though they made eight changes that seems a bit weird to say but at least in terms of captaincy they don't want to already rock it but i'm of the opinion that jorut might be in sort of a last chance saloon situation he needs to deliver as a captain otherwise he might be let go before the english summer yeah hopefully he delivers and then plays the english summer because i am a big fan of his batting skills and the way he plays the sh- back foot drives are all superbly uh, well timed uh, knocks or the shots look jorod the player will go nowhere he's probably more secure than kohli in that test and <laughs> test level but anyway now <laughs> coming uh, to other small news so the australia t20 tour of new zealand which was supposed to happen in march has been cancelled because there were not enough managed isolation quarantine spots available for the australian team that means places where they can go stay and quarantine themselves via train and so on this is again a bit unfortunate to see that the t20 tour has been ab- abandoned because previously even there was a odi tour that was planned that was supposed to start around 30th of january but that has been let go as well so covid and its effects we know this it's very unfortunate but we really hope you know um new zealand australia play each other it's almost like watching india pakistan absolutely those were uh, let's say all the cricketing news that we wanted to cover in this episode so i would like to say thanks nishit for uh, joining me on this episode and uh, you know before we let you go would you like to share how our listeners can reach out to you somewhere in the social media yeah thanks for the opportunity ajit to come up uh, here and uh, speak about my point of view or my review on the ongoing cricket which is happening people can reach me out at klnishchit at uh, instagram 
एंड निश्चित कितन करे एट फेसबुक थैंक्स ऑल फॉर द लिजनर थैंक यू वेरी मच निश्चित एंड आई विश ऑल आर लिजनर्स अ गुड डे वेर एवर दे आर बाय बाय This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast.